What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day here, we're talking Penn State football. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com as well as NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. And again, we have a lot of stuff to get into today. We're still kind of reacting from Penn State's loss to Ohio State over the weekend. Still some leftover sentiments that uh, people felt the need to share with us on Twitter. We're going to address one of the questions that popped up following that loss as we look forward to where Penn State goes from here. That'll be coming up later in today's episode. Today's Tuesday, so we're also going to be taking a look at what to look for and expect in tonight's college football playoff rankings. Have a feeling Penn State might get hit a little bit harshly. Probably deservedly so. We'll talk about that in one of the segments. And we do have some news and notes to get into in our opening segment with Micah Parsons being named a finalist for a prestigious defensive award. And there's also some coaching news going on around the country. We'll see if any of that has any impact on Penn State moving forward. I just gave you the order of today's show in reverse order. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcasting app, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can also listen to us on the TuneIn app on Alexa devices. And of course, if you want to help support the show a little bit more, your rating and your review is greatly appreciated. It does help with the placement on those various podcasting platforms as well. We also want you to feel like you're a part of the show, and the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and head over to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Give us a like, share these posts with your friends and family, retweet all the good stuff that you see coming through on the feed, and help spread the word with us that way as well. So, again, lots of stuff to get into in today's episode, so without any further delay, let's get to it. As someone who contributes some national college football coverage for NBCSports.com on College Football Talk, this is a busy time of the year right now because not only do we have players entering and leaving schools via the transfer portal, but we also have the coaching turnover season thickly upon us right now. We'll get into a couple of those notes real quick. And of course, it is award season around college football. This is the final week of the regular season. We got the championship games for the conferences coming up next week. And I know Penn State's not going to be a part of that, but this is the time of the year when all of the finalists for the various awards are named. And of course, uh, the big one's still the Heisman Trophy, still waiting for more information on that. But on Monday was a big day for a lot of the official college football awards that are part of the college football awards show that we'll see on ESPN in a couple weeks on, I believe on December 12th, if I remember that correctly. I did not write that one down, but that sounds familiar from all the press releases I have been reading lately. And of course, Micah Parsons has been named the finalist for the Buckus Award. This is the award for the top linebacker in the country. And honestly, this comes at a good time because he's coming off a really solid performance against Ohio State. Yes, even though Ohio State won the game, Micah Parsons was a guy that really stood out and started to make some plays when Penn State really needed him to. And he's going to be a finalist for the award. So that's a that's a great nod for Micah Parsons and a tremendous honor, tremendous respect for the job that he's being doing from the Buckus Award panel. I don't know who exactly votes for that or who gets the final say on that one. I don't believe that's one of the awards I voted for. Uh, if it is, I totally missed my ballot in the mail. I do get a chance to vote for a couple of awards, like the Belitnikoff Award, uh, a couple of the other uh, Football Writers Association awards. Uh, 
but I don't think I had a vote for the Buckus Award. If I did, I totally missed it. I spaced out on it this year. But whatever the case may be, Micah Carson, Micah Parsons, excuse me, is trying to become the first Penn State player to win the award since Paul Puzlozny back in 2005. Only one other Penn Stater has won the award at the college level. That's LeVar Arrington in 1999. And this award was first awarded in 1985. So it's been going on for a little while. Oklahoma's Brian Bosworth won the first award. I believe he won the second award as well. Last year's winner was LSU's Devin White. And uh, the last Big Ten player to win the award was James Laurinaitis of Ohio State in 2007. So I mentioned this is a busy time because of the coaching carousel that is upon us. There were a couple more coaching uh, changes that were made official on Monday. The first at UNLV, uh, Tony Sanchez has been let go from his position as head coach after just a few years. And later in the day at New Mexico, Bob Davey was announced that he will not return to be the head coach of the Lobos. Beginning in 2020, he will coach this weekend uh, as New Mexico closes out their regular season against Utah State. So, of course, when job openings open up, and of course, we have job openings at Florida State as well as Arkansas. And, of course, at Rutgers, which we're going to talk about in just a second here. Anytime these coaching positions do open up, you kind of wonder, uh, is there any reason to be concerned that maybe James Franklin leaves Penn State for another job? And, and fortunately for right now, there's no job on the market right now that you would expect James Franklin to be attached to. I know some people have probably tried to suggest that Florida State would be a good option for him. I, I seriously wouldn't worry about that one at all. Uh, the, the one that I think would pop up that would be of interest that would surely be a conversation piece would be the USC job. But as of the time I'm recording this episode, Clay Helton has still uh, got his job with the Trojans. We'll see what happens there. It is interesting though, because USC did close out their regular season. They're not playing in the Pac-12 championship game or they actually still could, but I seriously doubt that they will. They're going to need Utah to lose to Colorado this weekend. I don't expect that to happen. So I do believe that USC season is going to be over uh, minus the bowl season. Now, obviously, they did qualify for a bowl game. But the USC position, of course, will be one that people are watching closely. A lot of people suspect that Urban Meyer would be the next head coach at USC. I still don't know if that's uh, as much of a slam dunk as I used to think it is. I think as time has progressed, I think that it, there's probably a better chance that USC ends up going in a different direction outside of Urban Meyer. And of course, one of the options that is popular for a lot of national spokespeople to talk about is James Franklin going to USC. And I've been on the record and I'm saying James Franklin would kill it at USC. I don't necessarily think that he would leave Penn State for USC, but, you know, I will never say never. I do think that uh, James Franklin is in a really good position here at Penn State right now. That's not to say that taking over the USC job would not suit him well. But we'll address that conversation if we need to down the line. The bottom line is, of all the jobs that are on the market right now, as of the time as I'm recording this, and there's only four of those jobs, I'm sorry, five of those jobs uh, out there, James Franklin's not going to leave for any of those schools. Now, as far as assistant coaches, that's something that could come up. I just don't think that any of the jobs that are out there right now are positions that would be filled by a member of the coaching staff, like Joe Moorhead leaving as the offensive coordinator to take on the job at Mississippi State. I don't think we're in that conversation, at least at this point in time. Now, if the Rutgers job does lag on there, it would be something just to keep an eye on. But I do think that Rutgers is a, a job that really needs somebody with some legitimate college football head coaching experience and preferably a experience as a, someone who has been able to build a program that is in desperate need of a foundation. 
And that's why I fear a guy like Al Golden would probably be a good fit. Matt Rule would be a good fit, but I think he's uh, not going to leave Baylor for Rutgers. Um, you know, he might leave for an NFL job, but that's another story. But I do think you're looking at guys like Craig Creighton uh, of Eastern Michigan. Uh, you know, again, I go back to Al Golden. The Greg Schiano thing, though, at Rutgers seems like it was going to be inevitable. But that seems to have uh, sailed away from us over the weekend on Sunday. Pete Thamel of uh, Sports Illustrated reported that uh, Rutgers is uh, not been has not been able to come to an agreement with Greg Schiano. And of course, the the terms that and the demands that Greg Schiano was putting together had been leaked out there, such as an eight year contract and unlimited uh, jet usage. And of course, we already had discussed before the reports of the kind of financial commitment that he wants invested in the program. And honestly, I thought that Greg Schiano was the one guy that would be able to get a lot of those demands met if he were to be the next head coach of Rutgers. But as of right now, it doesn't look like Rutgers is going to be hiring Greg Schiano, which, uh, you know, that that's interesting because I thought that that was going to be the very likely scenario. Again, I don't necessarily think it's the best idea for Rutgers to go back to Greg Schiano. I think if you look at the history of head coaches going back to where they had their earliest success, uh, most notable success, doesn't always pan out. So I figured it would probably be best for Rutgers to go in a different direction. And that's the way it looks like it's going right now. Coming up our next segment, we're going to get back to the Penn State talk. And we are going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. I'll also reflect quickly on the AP and coaches polls that came out on Sunday. Because as we recorded Monday's episode, that was before those polls were released because I recorded a little bit earlier. So I've got some thoughts on that coming up in the next segment. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Penn State fans, let me tell you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Time to talk about the polls. And uh, one of the first questions that got asked to me on Twitter, and by this by a couple people, I should say, was what my thoughts were on Penn State being ranked behind Michigan. And I'll be honest, at the time I saw those questions, I had paid no attention to the AP Top 25 or the coaches poll. So I wasn't necessarily surprised to get the question. And when I did, I assumed that Penn State had fallen behind the Michigan Wolverines in both of those polls. And my first reaction to this is always, I don't care about the AP poll and the coaches poll necessarily. I think they are two completely pointless polls. So I don't get worked up about polls anymore. I may have used to when I was uh, you know, maybe more of a fan and kind of looking at things uh, analytically trying to determine you know, the, the value of those polls. And ultimately, those polls are absolutely meaningless to me at this point, especially the coaches poll. I will never give any respect to the coaches poll. Uh, but let's talk about it because it was asked to me. And I got to say, I understand it. I honestly do. Now, here's the thing. We know that Penn State beat Michigan head-to-head. The head-to-head result should have some merit here. And we're going to talk about the importance of that in just a minute here. But as far as the AP and the coaches' polls are concerned, I totally get why Michigan would be ranked ahead of Penn State right now. Keep in mind, they're both 9-2, and right? Penn State does have the head-to-head win. Michigan did lose to Wisconsin in addition to Penn State. Penn State lost to Minnesota, who is number nine in the current AP poll and the coaches poll. And of course, they lost this past weekend at number two, Ohio State, according to the AP poll and the coaches poll number two. 
So I don't think that those are bad losses. I, I don't think Michigan's losses are bad losses. And of course, the, the Penn State victory against Michigan should probably carry some weight if you're trying to compare the two teams. But I look at how these two teams have been playing lately. And this is the question that was brought up by the Big Ten Network last week. And I kind of rolled my eyes when I saw it, but I kind of understood it a little bit. And the big question is, is Michigan the second best team? Let's just say in the Big Ten East right now. Okay. Forget about the entire Big Ten. But in, as far as the Big Ten East is concerned, we know Ohio State's the team that everybody's chasing. Uh, they'll go to Michigan this weekend. But is Michigan the second best team having lost a game? to Penn State head-to-head. And I'm going to say right now at this second, yeah, I think Michigan's the second-best team in this division. I think they're playing far better football than Penn State has the last few weeks. Uh, The Ohio State game, not totally withstanding. But I look at the way that Michigan has been dominant, uh, especially this past weekend against Indiana, a team that Penn State had just played the previous week. Michigan played Indiana much better, and they did it on the road, I believe. So this is a Michigan team that I just think has been playing some really good football since that game against Penn State. You look at what they did. They just obliterated Notre Dame, who I still think is a pretty good team. And they have handled Indiana more than Penn State was able to at home. Michigan's offense has been playing better than Penn State's offense. Michigan's defense, I think, has been playing better than Penn State's defense. And I do think that Penn State's defense is still really good. And they have certainly made plays when they have needed to make plays. But go back to the game against Minnesota, the game against Indiana, giving up long touchdown drives on each of the first two drives of those two games, then giving up another long touchdown drive to start the game against Ohio State, another long would have been a touchdown drive against Ohio State before the Justin Fields fumble in the end zone. The defense has to play better. They just have to play better if they're going to get some of that respect. The offense has to play much better. And I think Michigan has figured out what works for them, and they've been using that to their advantage the last few weeks. So as of this point in time, certainly for the month of November, Michigan, I think, has been playing superior football to Penn State. So that's why when you look at the polls and you see Michigan with an identical record to Penn State, that's why they're coming in just ahead of Penn State. In the AP poll, Michigan's number 10, Penn State fell to number 12 this week. They dropped three spots after their loss to Ohio State, falling behind Baylor. Minnesota, of course, moved up. So Penn State uh, got knocked out of the top 10, down to number 12. And they're number 12 in the coaches poll, too, also falling three spots. Michigan comes in number 11 in the coaches poll. Uh, So the coaches are giving more credit to Baylor, who's their number 10 team, as opposed to Michigan. Michigan and Baylor each moved up two spots in the AP poll. So I, I, I'm not totally surprised that Michigan would be getting the consideration as being the better team, which leads us to the big question for tonight when the college football playoff rankings come out. There are no number of things to pay attention to this weekend or this week as the, the rankings come out. First and foremost, is Ohio State going to be the number one team? Ultimately, it doesn't matter. One or two, three or four. As long as you're in the top four, that's all that ultimately matters. Getting into the playoff. That's the main goal. I do think there's a case to be made for Ohio State being the number one team. I had them number one on my Super 16 bout almost until I changed it back to LSU. But it, it, it's so close for me, whether Ohio State's number one, number two, whatever the criteria may be, I'm okay whichever way you want to go with it. But of course, the bigger questions as far as Penn State is concerned, keeping in mind that we were talking about this Rose Bowl scenario that we kind of discussed in yesterday's episode. Where's Minnesota ranked? Where's Wisconsin ranked? And where's Michigan ranked compared to where Penn State is ranked? Now, the college football playoff rankings do tend to have some differences with the major polls. And I'm curious to see if there will be a different line of thinking because I believe the playoff selection committee 
tends to give some more value to some of your quality wins than the AP poll and certainly the coaches poll may. Not to say that they don't totally uh, go completely off the, the grid compared to how the AP poll is concerned, but I do think that this committee has been giving a lot of respect to Penn State. There's been a lot of complimentary things said about them the last few weeks of these rankings. Uh, when Rob Mullins had to explain why Penn State was ranked ahead of Minnesota last week, you know it's kind of the same situation as the uh, the Penn State Michigan debate with the head-to-head result going uh, in Minnesota's favor, but Penn State was coming in ahead because of the quality wins, and they still have those quality wins. They still have the win against Iowa, which continues to look pretty decent. Uh, especially after Iowa knocked off Minnesota and got another win this past weekend. Uh, they've got the win against Michigan, of course. And, you know, Indiana, I think it's still a good win. They're getting some credit for that win. They're getting some credit for a win against Pittsburgh. So the quality wins are still there, although the Pittsburgh win kind of took a little bit of a tarnish this past weekend with their performance against Virginia Tech. Pitt's not going to play for the ACC title if you're hanging on that hope to kind of boost Penn State's profile a little bit. But overall, the quality wins are still there. And if you get into what games you did lose, obviously Penn State's in the two-loss category right now. Forget about the playoffs, but we're talking about just being the highest-ranked Big Ten team at the end of the season. Still very much in play. But it would help if those two, if those four teams are within the same area. And, and probably mostly Minnesota and Michigan. Although we got to keep an eye on Wisconsin because... I think Penn State's Rose Bowl hopes really hinge on Wisconsin beating Minnesota this weekend. The thing is, if Wisconsin does beat Minnesota, Wisconsin's probably going to be making a nice little jump ahead of Penn State in the final college football playoff rankings for the regular season. Of course, that would send Wisconsin into the Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State, where you got to hope that Ohio State takes care of business against the Badgers, hands them their third loss of the season, and then knocks Wisconsin down a couple pegs. And of course, you're hoping that Ohio State would knock down Michigan as well because Penn State and Michigan are so close. One more loss for Michigan while Penn State is supposedly taking care of business against Rutgers should absolutely put Penn State back in front of Michigan. So the whole Michigan thing, that'll play itself out one way or the other. Uh, obviously, if Ohio State wins, you don't have to worry about Michigan. Michigan's out in they're in the rearview mirror for good as far as this season's concerned on the race to get into the Rose Bowl. Big question is, what happens with Minnesota? If Minnesota beats Wisconsin... I think you can kiss the Rose Bowl goodbye because even if Minnesota goes on and loses in the Big Ten Championship game into Ohio State, even if it's 59 nothing, I think there's a very good chance that Minnesota is going to be going to the Rose Bowl. And that's notwithstanding the option that Ohio State loses to Minnesota, which in case Minnesota probably goes to the playoff. But either way, Minnesota or Ohio State would be going to the Rose Bowl at the worst. So um, you're hoping that Wisconsin takes care of Minnesota this weekend to, to knock Minnesota out of the rear view once again. Uh, because I think even with two losses, we'd see something similar from the playoff committee where they put Penn State back ahead of Minnesota. And then you got to hope that Ohio State uh, beats Wisconsin for the second time this season. Uh, so this can all play out. And Penn State gets a very good op- op- opponent for their chances this weekend with a Rutgers team that is really falling apart right now and just kind of going through the motions, it looks like, as the season winds to an end. We're actually going to talk about Rutgers in tomorrow's episode. There's just so much I wanted to cram into today's episode. I know we usually give our first look at the next opponent on Tuesday's episode, but we're going to move that to Wednesday because I do have a mailbag question. I thought it was pretty interesting coming up in the next segment. We're going to talk about that and kind of look at the recruiting situation for Penn State a little bit in the next segment. And again, we'll talk about Rutgers in our opponent preview in tomorrow's episode. So come back on Wednesday. We'll talk all about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights as much as you can possibly want to hear about Rutgers Scarlet Knights. 
This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. In the interest of full disclosure, I am going to tell you right now that while I may cover college football for my job, recruiting is not exactly something I pay very close attention to. In fact, I could not tell you much at all about the incoming uh, class of 2020 that Penn State is about to start signing with the early signing period coming up in December. And I don't really follow the recruiting trail for a lot of the top recruits that are out there. Couldn't even tell you a single name that's out there off the top of my head. But I do tend to look at the rankings that we see on 247 Sports every now and then, the composite rankings, just to see where Penn State is ranked compared to other teams, see what traditional recruiting powers are doing well, see how new coaches in new positions are getting into the transition of recruiting. And ultimately, I think a lot of coaches are hurt by the early signing period in their first recruiting class. And that's why it's really important that a team like Rutgers and Florida State, they want to get the new head coach locked in very soon because they know that they need to get some recruiting pitching done in the next couple of weeks before that early signing period comes. Uh, So I I think it is a tough position for any new coach to be in. But as far as Penn State is concerned, I can tell you this. I looked up the the database to see how many recruits they have, and they've got 28 commits coming in already for the class of 2020. I know that's uh, above the, the 25 commitment minimum, but of course there's always some fluctuation players leaving, gray shirting, all that good stuff that is really complicated in some respects. But I did want to go ahead and address some of the recruiting status for Penn State right now because it was a mailbag question that was submitted to us from at Slipperman2 on Twitter. He says, is this year's recruiting class a disappointment considering all the top end talent in Pennsylvania and Maryland seem to miss out on all the highest rated talent that they usually get? So again, I'm not a huge recruiting guy. I couldn't... I couldn't honestly say that this is a really good in-depth recruiting knowledge from my standpoint. So I can only give you my own reaction to the numbers and the figures that I'm seeing in front of me. And I'm going to suggest here, like I said, they've got 28 commits. Only four of them are from Pennsylvania. They're all three-star players. I don't, you know, according to the, the composite rankings, it doesn't look like Penn State is chopped full of premier blue chip talent. There's only one five-star player in the in the 24-7 composite rankings that I saw, he's currently committed to Ohio State, which does hurt, especially since it's a wide receiver, Julian Fleming. And we talked about in yesterday's episode, what's the biggest difference between Penn State and Ohio State? And I said that Ohio State has the playmakers at key positions like wide receiver, a guy that you can throw the ball to and you can feel confident that he's going to make a play for that ball. Penn State doesn't have that. So obviously losing out on one of the top recruits from the state of Pennsylvania that plays the wide receiver position and he's going to Ohio State, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow, I think, for Penn State. And we all know James Franklin has ushered in this mantra of dominating the state and he wants to go to Maryland and New Jersey and dominate those states as well. Well, he's generally thrived pretty well, I think, in that regard, especially in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Maryland the last few years. I don't know. Yeah, everything. I think sometimes a recruiting class can be a little bit out of whack with what the typical norm has become. Maybe that'll be this year. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really a recruiting expert on in any way, shape, or form on this. But I know that losing the top five-star player in the state who plays wide receiver to your biggest opposition and the team that you are trying to chase, it's not a great uh, sign for things to come. 
And of course, the only four-star player I saw on the Pennsylvania rankings is committed to Notre Dame. So while he's not going to another Big Ten team, he's still going to another uh, national power that you could potentially be jockeying for position in a playoff spot. Who knows down the line? And it also hurts that he's an offensive tackle. So <laughs> you're losing a five-star wide receiver to Ohio State. A four-star offensive tackle would have been great to have, of course, but he's going to go to Notre Dame. But Penn State does have four of the top 10 players in the state of Pennsylvania currently committed to Penn State. And of course, commitments can always change, but I I don't think it's all doom and gloom as far as the in-state recruiting is concerned. It just would have been nice to have uh, a five-star wide receiver stay closer to home. And as far as Maryland is concerned, there's four players currently committed from Maryland, including four stars, linebacker Curtis Jacobs and defensive tackle Koziah Izzard. Uh, the number four overall player in Maryland. So I don't think that this is necessarily a bad sign either. This is also a state that was supposed to be changing the way that uh, is re- recruiting is done with Mike Loxley taking over at Maryland, supposedly locking down all the top uh, talent from the state of Maryland because it is a fertile ground for high school talent. And, and Penn State has performed very well in the state of Maryland over the years. And uh, Mike Loxley certainly has some reasons to be concerned about the future of his program in recruiting within the state of Maryland because he only has one of the top 25 players in the state of Maryland currently committed to Maryland. Now, again, that could very well change. You just never know. But I think Maryland should be much more concerned about the recruiting in the state of Maryland than Penn State is right now. Like I said, Penn State's got four players uh, from the state of Maryland. Uh, Only one other top 10 player from Maryland is going into another Big Ten school. So, A lot of Big Ten schools are kind of swinging and missing on the top talent in the state of Maryland. So it's not just a Penn State problem. Michigan's been playing very well in Maryland, but only one other player in the top 10 is going to another Big Ten program. That is running back Blake Corm going to Michigan. So, again, you're losing some of the top players in Pennsylvania and Maryland to rival teams in your division. It's not necessarily something to push a panic button about considering that Penn State is still signing what looks to be a pretty decent class. Uh, The current team rankings had Penn State, I believe, at number 14 overall in their composite rankings. It's not bad. Obviously, you would love to be in the top 10. But, you know, again, sometimes, you know, rankings are going to fluctuate by the day, by the commitment. One commitment could bolster a team up a couple spots. And, of course, losing a player could drop another team another couple spots. So you just never know until those uh, letters of intent are officially signed and faxed in. But I don't think that Penn State needs to worry too much uh, in the grand scheme of things. Like I said, James Franklin is a really good recruiter. I, I, I firmly believe that. I think he can go in and he can recruit the heck out of this region and, and go into other states as well. And that's another thing to keep in mind. They Penn State is bringing in some talent from other states as well. Virginia is a key state. If you can get some North Carolina talent, that'd be cool too. Uh, but Texas, Florida, those are the kind of states in Georgia. Those are the kind of states you want to get into. And I think... This is not just a Penn State thing, but I think a lot of schools are starting to recruit a little bit more nationally. It's not all about the homegrown talent unless you happen to be in Florida or Texas. Obviously, you want to lock in as many of those players as you possibly can, and you probably will make the majority of your roster with players from those states. But when you're a team like Ohio State or Penn State or even Michigan, you're going to have to recruit much more out of state, maybe out of your region, if you're going to put together the best possible team to make a run for a spot in the college football playoff. Something we'll have to do is just run down the Ohio State roster. Just load it up and look at where all those players actually come from. 
Now, Ohio is a good state, so they're going to get a lot of good players from Ohio. They'll get some top players from Pennsylvania, of course, and they'll go into Maryland. They'll go into New Jersey as well. They'll get some players as well. But I think when you start to look at their roster, they're going to have some players from some southern states as well. And I think Penn State's uh, working to get into those pipelines as well. I think Michigan is certainly striving to do the same thing. And I think a lot of schools that are having success are doing that more and more. So I think that that's one of the directions where James Franklin's taking this team. I would not worry about one relatively down recruiting class. Ultimately, if Penn State ends this recruiting cycle with the number 14 class, that's not terrible. If anything, it's going to add some depth to your roster, which you desperately need in some key spots. Uh, but obviously, the more quality depth you have, the better. And I think that Penn State is taking some strides there. This may not be the best class that James Franklin signs, but it ultimately won't be the worst either, maybe. So we'll see. So again, don't push any panic buttons. Don't be too alarmed about this. It could just be a rough cycle. We'll see what they do in class of 2020 uh, leading up into the early signing period in December. And again, in uh, February, when the rest of the class is finalized, as you fill in the pieces that maybe you missed out on at this point in time. That's another thing to keep in mind. While you're going to get most of your signing class locked in in December, you still have some time to fill in the gaps where you need. And there are going to be some players out there that are certainly going to be looking for some good opportunities and that could actually offer something to you. There will be some four stars out there, probably not too many five stars, but you'll get some good players still out there after the early signing period. So just stay patient. I know recruiting can be tough sometimes, but I think Penn State's going to be in an okay situation. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to what we had to say about Penn State over the last half hour or whatever it's been at this point. But I do hope you come back tomorrow as well. Again, we're not taking a day off this week. I know it's Thanksgiving, but we're going to have a new episode for you every day of the week up till Friday. And so you have something to listen to on your way to Thanksgiving dinner or while you're having Thanksgiving dinner or while you're out Black Friday shopping, all that good stuff. We're not taking a day off because Penn State still has a game to play this week we're going to talk about it. So in tomorrow's episode, we will talk some Rutgers football. We're going to take a look at their season to date. We'll take a look at some of the storylines surrounding this program as they head into Happy Valley, looking for any glimmer of hope to end their season on a bright note. Doesn't really look like they're going to get it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the point spread. And of course, we will react to the latest college football playoff rankings, which will be coming out tonight. But we'll take a look at them, see what it means for Penn State moving forward in the final couple weeks here of the season as we figure out where Penn State is going to be going bowling. Of course, we'll talk about that in tomorrow's episode. And if you have any more mailbag questions, go ahead and fire away. We'll address them as well as we look to give you some more conversation and make sure that you are a part of the show. Best way to do that, of course, is to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can also head over to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Give us a like there. Submit your questions on Facebook as well. And I hope that you are subscribed to this podcast. If you're not, now's a great time to do that. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Anything you use to listen to a podcast, we can be there for you as well. We've got an RSS feed. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can get all those links there. And, of course, leave a rating, leave a review. It helps support the show. We appreciate the feedback. And without anything else to say, I'm going to say have a great Tuesday. Hope you guys go 1-0 today. Come back tomorrow. We'll try to go 1-0 tomorrow as well. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>